podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick no! and drives it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson. Don't miss again. It's there. And here comes up. Chance goal! Welcome to the Hand and Roar podcast. Thanks very much for giving us a little bit of your time as we preview the Norway game this Saturday. What a massive match it is for Steve Clark and the Scotland players. The opportunity to go eight points ahead of them after three games in the group. Maybe we would accept staying five points ahead of them at this moment in time. With me, Andy Barge, as former Falkirk striker, St. Minnes striker, man of a few other clubs, Rory Loy and... Andrew Lang from the Alba Matter Scotland blog. Phyllis, thanks very much for coming along. Um, look, cards on the table. I've been away for a few days, so I'm just catching up with all the Scotland stuff at the moment. Um, we'll start with the first news that I've seen when opening up my laptop this morning. Uh, John Souter reported with an injury. Um, injury fears uh, surrounding the Scotland, uh, the Scotland defender, and he missed last week's training camp due to a knock, but he has returned to the Scotland setup last night and will be assessed by the, the Scotland medical team who could give him the green light for Norway away this weekend. Okay, so if we come to you first, Rory. Um, Grant Hanley's injury uh, and Scott McKenna's injury mean that there's a vacancy in the middle of what is very likely to be a back three. Keaton Tierney on the left of that. Ryan Porteous perhaps shunted into the middle after playing on the right against Spain. And then... Will it be Jack Hendry or John Souter on the right-hand side? And does John Souter's potential knock impact which way of the fence that might fall on? Quite possibly. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think anyone is a stranger to John Souter and his injury problems. I think from a personal perspective, he'll want to to make sure that he's fit for the start of pre-season. I know these two games are massive. So I just wonder within himself, he'll be a little bit concerned about pushing too hard too soon if he has picked up a little knock. Um, he seems like the type as well that if he's not 100% fit, it can lead to other little tweaks. Uh, you know, Some players are more susceptible to injury. And you've got Jack Henry, um, who in a Scotland shot has always done very, very well. Um, and I just think that when push comes to shove, you know, if he's only trained one day, John Souter, and things are certain players you would maybe throw into certain occasions, and there are certain players you know you would maybe be a little bit more cautious about. So I'd be very surprised to see John Souter getting the nod, given his history, given um, you know I, I would give him personally a, a few more days. Look at the Georgia game, and if he does want to play John Souter, uh, Steve Clark, but I don't see any concerns over bringing Jack Henry in whatsoever. Norway will try and get the ball down and play. Jack Henry is very capable of doing um, the same thing. Um, and I have to say, I was I've always been a big sceptic of Ryan Porteous. I was interested to see how he did down the road. Seems to have done well so far. Um, hopefully, he can keep that going. And again, he's building more and more trust, the nation's trust, with every passing game on the international scene. So, um, I think Tierney, Porteous, and, and Hendry um, will probably get the green light to start against uh, against Norway. Yeah, Andy. The- the, the Porteous scepticism is certainly not limited to Rory. We, 
we spoke on this, but well, I spoke on this podcast with a couple of guests before when it became clear he'd be starting away to Ukraine uh, in a vital Nations League match when we drew 0 0. It was sensational yeah. that evening. Watches three caps, three clean sheets, one against Ukraine, one against Spain, and the other probably um, a bit easier against Cyprus, but still. If we're looking at the evidence in black and white, he's earned his place in the Scotland back three at the moment. The decision... Yeah, if we assume that Tierney plays on the left-hand side, the decision to be made is on the right. Jack Hendry is trusted by Steve Clark. He chips in with goals as well. He's got three and 21 caps, so he's a threat in that sense. No qualms whatsoever with him coming back into the Scotland team, despite a a real lack of minutes for um, initially Cremonese and then Club Bruges this season. Hmm. I think Jack Hendry... um... It's really, it's really interesting. Like just as an onlooker, you know, Rory's got the professional experience of actually dealing with stuff like this. But when you get injuries and setbacks, uh, as you know, Alba Matter is predominantly growth mindset based, and, and that's my job as a as a as a as a tutor in further education. And we talk a lot about this thing called the learning pit, where nobody wants to go through it, but like you plummet, um, and initially that plummet's quite depressing, really hard when you have like a real setback as John Suter's had, as Jack Hendry's had, as all these players have had. And I think it was it was mentioned this week, I was glad to see it mentioned this week, I think it was John Carver um, said a lot of our players have had to overcome personal battles to, to just be in the pitch and, and maintain a level of fitness. So I think, like, although Jack Hendry's not played much, he's always played very well for Scotland because he's got this mental toughness, like when you, you listen to interviews with him. There was one he did, uh, Scots Abroad pod, I think, it was really, really interesting. He said, he said, like, he was maybe, he considered himself, like, four or five years back. He said, like, I know my age says this, but actually, I think physically, I can go until, you know, Davy Weir type thing, like, later on to his 30s, because of the way he keeps himself and, and, uh, just because of the, the difficulties he had to overcome. So I think it'd be interesting to see what, what Rory thinks of that, because he was, he mentioned a good point about some people you would trust just to throw them back in. Uh, and John Suterman, I uh, see when he scored that header against Denmark. I think everybody, even maybe some Celtic fans, were quite chuffed for him, you know, because he's just overcome so much, overcame so much. And I think the commentary summed it up well that time. It was just like uh, he, he was he was so unlucky in, in such a variety of ways. And what what I'm trying to say is, all these players, like whoever you put in now, the system that that Clark's got, I think Tierney's definitely locked in, you know. Um, and I think Porteous probably is too. Although Porteous, I was a skeptic too, Rory, and that uh, that away performance, that his debut in Ukraine was as good as I've I've seen a Scotland player. Like he was absolutely amazing in that debut. So I think it's more likely to be Tierney left side, maybe Porteous in the middle, or maybe Henry attacking the ball in the middle, and then right side, you know, either Porteous or or Henry. I'm not quite sure, but I think whoever comes in, they've got the mental. Agility and toughness to to play to a high level, you know. Other yeah, defenders wonder, in the squad would be so, sorry, Andy. I just want oh, sorry, Rory, you go. Ah, sorry, I just wanted to to, to say with regards to tr- when I made the point about trusting players to go in, I didn't mean from a footballing perspective with John Shuttle uh, that he would be capable. It was more uh, around that you know <laughs> he being susceptible to injury. Um, yeah, There's players yeah. who can be out for. For two or three weeks, and you throw them back in. But his track record, you know, it was no slight on his um, ability. It was more, you know, we, we don't you don't want to play him against Norway, and then all of a sudden he's not available for Georgia, which, you know, uh, sounds harsh on on John Suter because it's not his fault. But 
you would rather have him available and take as less risk as possible. Again, if you've got no other alternative, I think Jack Henry's a, a more than capable uh, alternative. Yeah, 100%, man. That's what I thought you meant. So that's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> that's well, if Porteous um, isn't played in the middle, could play on the right-hand side ahead of Henry or um, Suter, fitness-dependent, and that would open a space for Dominic Hyam in the middle of the three, which would be a Scotland debut. I'm not sure that will be forthcoming on this occasion particularly, but he's there in the squad, so you never know. I think Liam Cooper's still in there as well. It's always hard to tell, um, given his injury record and fitness concerns, but I'm pretty sure he's in the squad at the moment. So Liam Cooper's another that Clark has trusted um, on big occasions before coming off the bench to help shore things up. Um, yep. It starts to get more interesting in mid, or furtherly interesting in midfields. Uh, Hickey will probably play in the right, or well, it depends if you want to call it a right wing back midfielder, defender, whatever. But the Hickey will probably play on the right. Nathan Patterson's in the squad, but I'd imagine that his um, up and down season with injury and Hickey's performances in the last international camp will give him the nod on the right, Rory, with Robertson obviously playing on the left. Yeah, you would imagine so. Um, you know, I know we'll get on to the bigger picture as, as the podcast moves on, but you mentioned. You know Jack Henry, and um, you know he contributes goals. Ryan Porteous will contribute goals as well if he continues to play uh, and start games for Scotland. You know Aaron Hickey will chip in uh, every now and then as well. So Robertson, that's one thing I love about this Scotland squad. You go further forward, you look at McTominay, and you know there's been a lot of chat about you know the the players further forward that um, you know Dykes and and Adams do they really contribute as much enough goals? Will they do the work? And you know, goals can come across any position on the pitch, which is which is great. Callum McGregor's um, got a couple as well, so I think Hickey on the right hand side is a good balance. Um, I think Patterson, you described it well that he's up and up and down as a manager. And Steve Clark strikes me very much as this type of manager. A manager will will pick players that he can hang his hat on. He would rather have a a seven out of ten every single week then a 9 out of 10 followed by a 2 out of 10. That's that's just, in my opinion, how, how managers think. They want to go to their bed the night before the game and sleep as easy as they can, knowing that they've got players out there they can trust. And I just think that Patterson's inconsistency slightly. I watched him uh, playing against Brighton and he was unbelievably good. He was the best player on the pitch um, uh, in a game that Everton won comfortably. Then he follows that up with a couple of performances where you're going there. Not not quite so sure. You know, you can play week in, week out in the Premier League, and that that's where you're at. Whereas with Hickey, he, he doesn't seem to play badly all that often. Um, and I just think you want that continuity. Um, and that again is not to say that Patterson um, isn't capable, but ultimately Steve Clark needs to make decisions and choices. And I think that when it push comes to shove, he'll hang his hat on Hickey at the moment before he'll hang it on Patterson. Hmm. Well, Andy Ross McCrory is in the squads. Don't think he's capped. Yeah, Ross McCrory. He's, he's been in a number of squads, maybe as filler or to, to boost the numbers. Don't recall um, McCrory having a cap yet, though. If I'm wrong, please pull me up on that, somebody. But he's been included, and he can play um, on the right-hand side or in the middle as well of defence, so he's a handy option. On the subject of right-backs, this is quite interesting. Um, Scotland under-21 squad update 15 hours ago, so yesterday evening we're recording this on the morning of the 14th. Uh, so yesterday evening, Scotland under 21 squad update in Ben McPherson, out Max Johnston, right back on his way out of Motherwell to New Pastures, Ben Doak and Hayden Hackney, right? So those three guys are very much 
on the edge of the A team, I would say. Bendok has experienced a bit of first team football at Liverpool. Very exciting. Probably the youngster that gets gets us most hyped as Scotland fans at the moment. Max Johnston, great second half of the season. He's going to go and get a, mo- a good move. Perhaps that's why he's pulled out the squad. Maybe he has a contract to go and sign somewhere. And Hayden Hackney, um, stellar season with Middlesbrough, who just missed out in promotion. I think he's only 20 or 21 years old and was starting centre mid under Michael Carrick from the minute he arrived in October. Uh, I heard a couple of whispers that there was a possibility Dokken Hackney would be involved. Does this point to that? Is there any use, Andy, do you think, in them leaving the under-21s where they'd probably play to come and train with the A squad um, and and just get an op- and have, give Clark an opportunity to have a look at them, much like he did with Lewis Fiorini and Tommy Conway of Bristol City earlier in the week? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, first off, no, McCrory doesn't have any caps, just to, yeah. just to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, so, so just on McCrory, before going to them, um, really excited and, and really pleased to see Ross McCrory get a call up. I think it's fully deserved just for Aberdeen's, you know, end to the season, uh, and his, his playing a prominent part in that. Um, also, you know, as, as Rangers fans will remember him, uh, having to play centre half really early and Gerard say, you know, worrying that actually, um, that was asked of him too early in his career, but he really seems to have blossomed and matured across a, a bunch of positions, and it's it's brilliant to see. So really pleased for Ross McCrory. Um, as with others, like I think it's been no secret we've chatted about it in the pub before, Andy. That like you, there's there was a, a like a decade of envy over Wales and and what they were doing the national team, and they seemed first off a Gary Speed wasn't it, you know, um, uh, and. He brought in a lot of youngsters who were uncapped just to get that experience and kind of build that kind of almost club mentality because he could see the quality in them. And I think it's not just as Scottish fans who are excited about Ben Doak. It's, you know, he's, he's Liverpool's most exciting youngster as well. So um, there's him and, was it Bajetic, is that his name? Uh, mm-hmm. And they both seem to be the most, you know, I've kept an eye on that team because I'm so excited about Ben Doak. But his performances in the UEFA Youth League and things like that were just mind-blowingly good, you know, against Napoli and things. He was exceptionally good. Uh, so he, he thoroughly deserved his call-up at a time when Liverpool were struggling. And I think he took it. I think he really stood out. Um, so he's, he's obviously going to be the future for, for us as Scots. I think that quality is clear. Um, so the sooner we just see a glimpse of him, maybe coming off the bench against Georgia, hopefully... When we've got like six points in the back pocket, but uh-huh. you know something like that, or maybe we need an injection of pace and something different against Norway. Then stranger things have happened in the national scene. Uh, I think it's a it's a really good call if if it happens. Rory, are we jumping to conclusions here, or would Ben Doak be worthy of a place in the squad, not just to make up the numbers, but to try and impact things on the park as well? And feel free to drop. Hackney into the equation um, and or Max Johnston if you feel enough about them? Well, I don't think Steve Clark will have you in the squad unless he believes you can bring something on the pitch. I don't think he would be one for token gestures. I think he does want to incorporate a club mentality and at times, you know, a few times under Steve Clark's tenure, when he has been under pressure or lost a couple of games, he's kept the bulk of the same squad and ignored the noise because if you change your squad, all that 
you know, consistently at international level, you lose that club feeling that club, and you basically need to start again. You need to do everything again from tactics to set pieces to to, to everything. So he does like to integrate players every now and then, which is which is great. Hayden Hackney, the one thing he's got over Ben Doak is he plays every week at a very, very high level. Uh, of course, when Ben Doak does play, he's played for Liverpool. However, Hackney's playing week in, week out in the Championship and clearly highly regarded by Michael Carrick, who is a, a top-class midfielder himself. The one thing about Ben Doak, as I would say, is does he fit into the system? Um, does he play wing-back? Does he come on as wing-back? If he does come on, are we going to have to shuffle things around slightly to accommodate him? Is he at the stage where we would bring him on and, you know shuffle things around to accommodate him. I'm not quite sure. I don't see him featuring in the, the Norway game. Um, Andy touches on the, the Georgia game. I think he's a good option. I think playing wing-back against Georgia um, is a totally different prospect to playing wing-back against uh, Norway. Obviously, he could play higher up the pitch. If they did play him in a more advanced position, they could play him in behind a striker or play him up top. However, having watched Ben Doak, he, he's better facing the goal. Um, he's not uh, as effective when he's back to goal. So I do think there's circumstances which call for Ben Doak getting pitch time um, and that could quite easily transpire against Georgia or if he does feel the need to do something uh, against Norway if we're losing the game then possibly he'll look at that but the Georgia game definitely opens up a door for Ben Doak to go on and make an impression and the one thing that impresses me the most about him is his mentality. I watched him play or start his first game for the 21s at Fur Park against Iceland and you know he's just he's got no fear. Um, and he's got that Wayne Rooney-like aggression when somebody, you know, gets in his face or he doesn't back down. He's got that mental mm. strength and to accommodate his pace and his ability. When it comes to Hayden Hackney, I, he just looks like a well-rounded, good footballer. Um, and, you know, I, I think either of those games, if he did need to be put on, um, he would go on and, and do a decent job. Big ask for him. But again, Steve Clark wouldn't have him there if he didn't think he was capable We'll wait and see think, if they're involved. Sorry, Andy. Can I can I ask Rory? Do you think Ben Dolt would be suited to kind of the Christie though? Like if Christie was tired and after seventy minutes or something like that, could you see him playing as maybe one of the front three? You know, Christie's kind of taking up that kind of or Stuart Armstrong even that that kind of role just just off the side. I think to, to tie to I tie think... in to tie in with that actually. Do you remember in the Nations League a couple of years ago how good Dykes and Ryan Fraser were together as a two yeah, yeah. up top? Yep. Wonder if even Dope could fulfil that rather than being someone who has to get chalk in his boots every two minutes. Someone who links up with a striker. I think it's um, a completely different role. You know, when you look, when, when you mention Ryan Fraser, slightly different, but when you mention the likes of Ryan Christie. You know, John McGinn's played in a slightly more advanced role at times. Stuart Armstrong, these guys are technicians. They've played the game for a long time. Hmm. It, it's not easy to change position like that and understand where you need to be off the ball, where you need to be when the play's building, how you link up with a, with a striker. I think at this moment in time, and, and as well, Scott, what Scotland do is they want to get the full-backs high. So what hmm. you would be asking Ben Doak to do is come in the pitch. You, you would need to in the pitch and to be disciplined to stay in the pitch so that Andy Robertson... Um, or Aaron Hickey or Nathan Patterson can get up. You do not want him taking up their space because it's pivotal to how we play, especially with two big strikers, or Lyndon Dykes or Adams, whoever plays, a big striker in the box. So you're then asking him to come in the pitch, receive the ball with his back to play, um, and then try and work out, right, how do I then get the space to link up with the striker? It would maybe be more intricate stuff, one-twos, movement and things. I think personally that'll come over time. And he will be a good option in there, but at the, this moment in time, 
I would not be taking him away from what he's good at. Direct running on the wing. Direct running on the wing. He understands the position. Um, and one thing he will do is fullbacks are that worried about him going in behind that if he does mm-hmm. come to feet, he's going to have a lot more space than most would because fullbacks are far too scared to get right up against him because they know if he runs in behind, they're knackered. So I just think that um, that's a difficult position to play in behind the striker. If you're no effect in the game, then you're no in the game and you're off after 60 minutes. I just think it's a big ask for a young boy to go in and understand, um, you know, the game. It's it's very difficult. I, I played in a, I played up front in a in a four three three, and then at times I get moved out to the left. You know, game intelligence and understanding it takes time. You don't you don't get that straight away. People think, well, you should know because you're a football player. Well, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, mm. You need to have an understanding, and I just think playing Ben Doak in there would would just take away from what he's good at. Brilliant, yeah. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, we'll probably find out later on today or maybe tomorrow if they are going to be involved um, with Clark's squad for Norway and or Georgia. Um, there have been calls for them for some time. And, and to be honest, for young Conway as well, Bristol City striker, a good season in the Championship. Um, Shankland and Nisbet have received a nod ahead of him initially in the squad. I think he'll stay with under-21s this time, Conway and Fiorini. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything about this, Andrew. I saw, uh, I'm sure online somewhere, that Rangers might have been looking at Lewis Fiorini from Man City, which would be an exciting move for him, get plenty of first-team football. Um, and another midfielder, kind of a similar vein to Hackney, as you said, Rory, just a well-rounded, talented um, centre-mid. So we'll see Leon King was also uh, invited to train with the first team in Spain as well. Um, plenty of centre-backs ahead of him in the queue at the moment. Um, so but it's good to see... Um, the opportunities to impress being afforded to these under twenty ones, the the ones who probably have the brightest futures as we look at it at the moment and doing well at club level, at strong lit the Scottish Premiership, um our English Championship and some in the uh, well Ben Doak in the youths of one of the Premier League teams. So exciting stuff and we'll wait to see if any of them are involved um with the squad for Norway and Georgia. We'll move into the centre of midfield. I think we can agree that Dykes will probably start up front. So then we have John McGinn who will play, Callum McGregor who I'd be astounded if he didn't play and I would expect Ryan Christie to start as well. So one position between McTominay or Billy Gilmore. And the jersey is probably McTominay's uh, after the last international break. Can't really see an alternative unless Clark wants to change tack slightly. Yeah, I mean, can we just Pause and acknowledge how good we've got it at the moment. <laughs> you know, we're we're talking about two really top top quality players here. I mean, um, I think all of Scotland, like Scottish Twitter, just like rejoiced seeing Billy Gilmore finish the season so well. Um, and it wasn't just like tokenism either. It was, you know, watching his game and his the way he played. I mean, I know he was singled out for praise against Wolves. He was the best player on the pitch. But then to follow that up with wins against Man U and playing against, you know, Casemiro, Bro Fernandez, all these players pressuring him. He just he is a player, as Rory was talking about there, who can, you know, although he's young, he can receive it when he's back to goal because he always does. And he, but he's got this kind of great way of kind of when the ball's back, like Brighton do it a lot, like they miss the midfielder, but then he spins away straight away because he because patterns of play probably, Rory, you can um, 
illustrate this a bit better than me, but what I see as a layman is that centre-halves pass it like Danny Welbeck sometimes, and then what happens is he spins off and he gets in the receiving end of the ball and he's able to, you know, thread lovely wee passes through. Um, you saw that and he's he's assist for... I can't remember the boy who scored now. But against yes, Newcastle. Oh, it was just amazing, man. You, see, you, you know when you, you, see, you see a ball... Uh, played in the TV that you can't even see. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just nobody would have been able to pick that pass. But he threw the eye a needle, man. Just um, it was it was amazing. And actually, second point in that is I love it when you can hear a whole stadium gasp. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you got yeah. him St James's and you just heard them all go, "Oh, that was like just quality." He's just a quality footballer, Billy, Billy Gilmore, isn't he? Um, he's kind of overcome that wee bit of not getting game time and. Everybody questioning whether or not, oh, is this, you know, is is he going to fall away after that explosive bursting onto the scene, you know? Um, But I remember Roy Keane saying way back then that the the difficulty now for him is that he's got to back it up. And I think he's now backed it up. So he's a completely different player to Scott McTominay. But I think you're right in that it's it's either or. And I think you're right in that McTominay gets a nod from his uh, both what Rory was saying about club loyalty kind of thing, um, even though Gilmore knows the system, but also I think we're going to need McTominay's physicality against Norway um, a bit more than Gilmore's technical deficiency, you know, so uh, yeah, I, I would go with McTominay in, in this case. Yes, his presence really quite important. He's he's an athletic guy, McTominay, six foot four. Um, he's absolutely shredded. I mean, we're, we're going to need that combative um, style that he can bring. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, when you come up away away games against the likes of Norway, I can imagine at that level be extremely difficult and physical. I think when Steve Clark and John Carver sit down and they're working through their set pieces in both boxes, which takes up a lot of time um, and a lot of information is passed on, it may just come down to something as simple as that because as Andy says, they're both fantastic football players. But it may come down to something as simple as that. He can defend in one box. You'd quite happily put him on, you know, one of Norway's biggest um, threats in the box. He can score goals at the other end, which he's proven time and time again uh, for a more defensive-minded midfield player. Um, so I do agree that, that Scott McTominay will get the nod. Mm-hmm. I think. I think as well. What I will add in is that I think if Lewis Ferguson was listening to this podcast or any other podcast Why? when these discussions <laughs> are going on, he'd be sitting there going, "Hold the bus a minute here." I've played a lot more football than a lot, every one of them and I've scored more goals and I'm doing it in Serie A so whether he fits into that particular position possibly not but he must be on the verge of breaking Steve Clark's door down to say right you know these are my credentials and it would be very hard to argue against him getting the nod as well um, whether that's in the Ryan Christie position or whether that's slightly further back as well because he's had an exceptional season um, across in Italy so as Andy quite rightly says, if you know we've got two Premier League class players and a player playing out of skin in Serie A, um, it's certainly difficult to a lot of the Scotland sides we've seen in the past, and um, it's something that Steve Clark deserves credit for as well because it's easy to sit here and say we've got good players, we've had good players in the past, um, but there is a you know a, a resurgence of excitement, I would say, as a Scotland fan at the moment. I'm with you on that, Rory. I would, I would like Ferguson to be given a bit more game time or an opportunity to impress from the start. I think he's only had to do it once, and that was in a friendly. 
going on McTominay's performances in the last camp uh, and Gilmore's resurgence to form and the fact that Clark has trusted him to, to make his debut against England, for example, um, I would imagine would be closer to the starting lineup than Ferguson. But if it, if it was Ferguson that got the nod, then no qualms with me. I mean, he's got nearly 10 goals over in Italy this season. Um, big clubs allegedly looking at him. So, yep, exciting times for Ferguson. And we'll see what happens there. Christy Armstrong um, are the ones, and, and McGinn are the ones as well that can play in that two behind Lyndon Dykes, who probably will start ahead of Nisbet or Shanklin. I'd be absolutely certain of that, um, despite the goal-scoring form of the other two. Dykes usually brings his best for the national team, so hopefully he can do so again. Um, I had something else just a wee second ago there, which I'm now looking for. Yeah, the Norway, so a quick... A word on Norway, Haaland and Odegaard are the two that stand out. Um, they also have RB Leipzig goalkeeper Orjan Nylands. I mean, this is just a, a squad littered with Europa League and Champions League level players. Leo Ostegaard, Napoli defender. Uh, Julian Ryerson, Borussia Dortmund defender, has 17 caps. Marcus Pedersen won Eredivisie with Feyenoord this season. He's a defender. Christopher Ayer moving into midfield. Odegaard, you've got uh, Patrick Berg, who is still with Bodo Glunt, actually, that surprises me. Um, Mats Daly, uh, FC Nuremberg, not, don't know too much about him, mind you. El Yunusi, Scottish football fans will be familiar with him. Sander Berg, Sheffield mm. United, who's a bit of a unit. Uh, and then up front, Haaland and Alexander Sorloth. Haaland only has 23 caps. I know he's young, but that surprises me. I thought he would have had more by now. 21 goals, though, in those 23 caps. So, yeah. Um, Not a bad record, off, is it? 47 so. caps, 16 goals. So, look, Norway, Norway are a unit. I can't believe they only have one point after two games. Granted, they played Spain. They also played Georgia. Uh, if we can, and I, I don't like to do the, oh, we'd take a point right now kind of thing, but if we're looking at it realistically, a point would be a, a sensational result, Andy. Yeah. Oh, I'd be over the moon with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, d- I don't think Steve Clark. He gets he gets labelled like a pragmatist, and I think in the beginning he really was because we were getting a hiding from Belgium and Russia and stuff like we remember those days, and he set us up as hard to beat really quickly. But I I would say pretty quickly in Clark's reign we became a threat away from home. Um, he made us formidable like in the counter attack. I remember Austria away games like that where you just think we're playing really good football here, you know, I, like we're. The Serbia game, obviously, the, the, the playoff, we were the best football inside that day. Um, okay, extra time, we kind of rode our luck a wee bit, but, you know, Clark's put in a way of playing that's not just pragmatic, although he's labelled that way, you know. I think I think we actually play really, really lovely football, and I think that comes down to the strength in midfield. That we've got so many technically good players who can uh, receive the ball, move it on. Callum McGregor's just... He's in my view anyway, he's just moved on to another level with Scotland. He's um he's really stepped up and it you can trust Callum McGregor in any position, anywhere on the pitch. So yeah, I'm I'm wary of talking too much about Norway because I just I think that well, we've been here before, we've been we've, you're right to call up all their great players and they've got all soul back in, I think, he plays for Roma as well. And you know, they've they've got threats all over, but then so do we. And and I love to whatever Clark does, I'd love to be a fly in the wall. He just seems to make players believe that, you know, that they are 
equally as good and even better as a unit, maybe. And um, I think that's why, like Rory was saying, it's such a good time to be a Scotland fan now. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to run out of time there, I'm afraid, lads. But thanks very much for coming on and on... Try to wrap it up there, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on Saturday, hopefully, we can get out of Oslo with a point. Rory and Andy, thanks very much for coming on. Sports Social Podcast Network.